All right, well, this morning I have the opportunity to share uh, the second week of our new FIRE series. Very excited by that opportunity, thrilled to, to be able to preach this morning. And uh, if you were a part of last week, you know Pastor Rob opened up the series on the fire at the burning bush with Moses. I would encourage you, if you miss a week, go online. Stay in, on track, stay in tune. Um, we've got a few people who are up at the lake. I'm going to send them all an email and say, you better get online and listen to this message. Um, you've got to hear it. Uh, so, uh, but, but do that and stay connected through what God is doing. Had an incredible message from Pastor Rob last week. And again, honored to be able to share with you this morning. How many of y'all are having a great weekend, by the way? I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just happy. Oh, I said, uh, I was, I would, any excuse I could get to get outside yesterday. I was like, hey, let's do yard work. Cool. I have to pr- study my notes. I'll be outside all day long. I mean, this is great. So uh, just let's pray one more time. And uh, Jesus, we're thankful uh, for what you've done. You've given us an incredible weekend. We are relieved. Thank you. And Lord, we pray that as we get into your word now, you would draw us to you, challenge our hearts, stir us to believe in the God who does the impossible and the miraculous in our lives. And we ask your blessing on at all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, This morning, I'm going to be sharing with you from the story of Elijah calling down fire on the altar. How many of you are familiar with that story just out of curiosity? I, I'll tell you what, I grew up knowing that story, but it's kind of fun, and I've noticed this in soap lately even, uh, it's kind of fun to reread a story through the lens of an adult than when I heard it as a kid. They left out certain parts of the story when we were kids, and now we're going to get the whole deal. Uh, so this morning, First uh, Kings uh, chapter 18, the Bible says this, later on in the third year of the drought... The Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now, summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How long will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, Then follow him. But the people were completely silent. You ever had one of those silent moments where you get called out and you're like, ah, I got nothing. This is one of those moments. Elijah calls out the people and says, listen, if God is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, or actually he says, says to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now I'll bring two bowls. The prophets of Baal can choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood uh, on the altar and I uh, won't set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire Fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Great idea. Let's go for it. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. 
Choose one of the bowls, prepare it, and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bowls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us! But there was no reply of any kind. They danced, they hobbled around the altar that they made. And finally, around noon, Elijah begins to mock them. And he says, you'll have to shout a little louder. For surely he's a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming. Or perhaps he's relieving himself. This is taunting, by the way. If you haven't caught on to this, he's literally taunting their god. Maybe he's away on a trip, asleep, and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder and louder. And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still, there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering. I mean, get that picture. He builds the altar, gets everything set up, and then he says, okay, now, just to be sure that you know what's about to happen is totally God, we're going to go ahead and make this impossible. Let's pour some water on there. And the Bible says they pour four jugs of water on there. And Elijah goes on to say, do it again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench that he had dug. This thing was soaked. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, He is God. So, right out of the gate this morning, I want to ask you and I a question. Does God still move in the miraculous today? Does he still move in the miraculous today? Does he still desire to do miraculous things in our lives? To which I would answer, as many of you have, yes, absolutely yes, a resounding yes, and of course, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He wants to move miraculously. But I want us to understand, before we even go any further, the whole point of this awesome story, I loved this story as a kid, and I loved hearing the results. I mean, Elijah went like crazy on everybody. He was like, all right, God's God. You guys are failures. Let's kill them all, and let's serve God. I was like, that's cool. As a kid, I loved that. However, that is so far from the point. The point wasn't just the miracle. Hear the point today. 
The point was that God wanted to send his all-consuming fire to prove to his people that he was God and to draw them back to himself even when they were in a place of rebellion. Even when they were in a place where they were serving other gods. He said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to show them that I'm God just because I love them and I want to draw them back. This God of the miraculous wants to do the miraculous in your life and my life, not simply to show off, but to draw you and I to himself so that we can know him and show people who he is because he is fine with proving himself. He is fine with proving himself. You know, and and we already agreed uh, that... uh, that God wants to do it today, so I could bypass the scripture, but I'm not going to. Uh, we'll confirm it. Uh, cha- Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, these things are going to follow you who believe. Uh, miraculous signs will accompany you. You'll cast out demons in my name, speak in new languages. You'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't harm them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. I was apprehensive to share that verse because we're not creating a snake handling theology here at River Valley Church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just to make sure you're still with me. Okay. Uh, No, Uh, that is not the point of this. The point is God will do miraculous things. As a matter of fact, the Bible says these signs will follow them. They will accompany your life and my life. Simply the fact that we follow God means the miraculous should follow us. Think about that. Simply because we follow God, the miraculous should follow us because God wants to use it to draw us to himself and to draw others to himself through us. If this is true, God still wants to do this today. Why don't we see it as often as we would like? You know, I would love to see that. Now listen, I'm not here to condemn today and I'll be honest, my my usual funny side is probably uh, still at home. I'm going to be a little serious this morning, but it's because I believe there's a few reasons why we don't see the miraculous. And instead of saying, oh, you don't do this, you don't do that, I want to spin it and I want to say, how about we do some of the things we should do and let's see what God does. Let's see if he shows up. Let's see if he does the miraculous. Because I believe God placed us in a city that doesn't understand that God is God. And he's looking for an Elijah to stand up and say, hey, no, 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 no. My God is God and he's willing to show you. So, I also want to point out before we get going, this is not a formula, okay? I'm not writing a book, the top three things you can do to to see the miraculous happen, okay? This isn't a formula, this isn't a three-step program uh, to get, to to see the miraculous and and to kind of trick God into, into, you know, doing his thing. That's not it at all. It's a challenge to you and I. It's a gut check to you and I to make sure our minds and our hearts are right before we ask God to do the miraculous. So then we can say, hey, why don't you just show yourself? Why don't you just reveal your goodness and do the impossible? If you believe God wants to do the impossible, just kind of say, amen, Pastor Brian. Give me a little something. All right, thank you. Um, The first question I want to ask, and we'll go back to the story, is this. Are we committed to God, or do we have a backup plan? Seriously, think about it. Am I committed to God, or do I have a backup plan? See, the history of uh, of Baal worship back in this day and the context of this miracle was actually bookended by two other miracles. What happened is this. God said, I'm going to send a drought to your land. And immediately the waters dried up. uh, And uh, the the nation of Israel, as a matter of fact, unlike Egypt and some of the other uh, big countries back in the day, had no rivers uh, going through it. So when God said, I'm going to pull out the rain and the dew, they were dry. 
They were dry for years. But here's what happened. They were in a culture that believed in a god named Baal. That god Baal was actually known as the god of rain and the god of storms. So imagine this for a second. You're an Israelite, you're following God, and all of a sudden, somebody turns the rain off. And you're like, "Uh, maybe it's God, maybe it's not. I'm hearing about this Baal guy. So here's what the Israelites started to do. They started to say, hey, you know what? Okay, God, you're our God, but just in case, we're going to kind of cuddle up to Baal. We're going to kind of hang out with Baal a little bit, because if he's the God of rain and you don't come through for us, we got Baal in our back pocket. And we can pull out a plan B. The number one hindrance to, ha- to seeing God move in the miraculous is us having our own plan B. Because here's what happens. What happens is this. You and I begin to say, you know what, God, I'll serve you. I'll do this. I want to pray for the miraculous. But I do have a bit of a, a plan B, just in case you don't. And we begin to waver between one opinion and the other, just like Elijah said. We begin to say, you know what, uh, okay, I'm going to serve you, God, in this area, but just in case. And you might, think, you might think, seriously, how do I know if I'm wavering? How do I know if I'm going back and forth between God and a Baal? Well, here's uh, one of the key ways you can know if you're wavering right now today and you've got a plan B in your pocket. Here's what plan B sounds like. It starts with a biblical truth, and it ends with a but. Starts with a biblical truth and it ends with a but. It goes something like this. I know we should tithe, but God understands our current situation. We'll get there when we can. I know our current living situation isn't ideal, but what else can we do? I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, my wife, my enemy, but you don't know what they did to me. And we start with this biblical truth, and then we immediately bring a but in there, and the but is plan B. But I'm going to do it my way. But I'm going to serve money. But I'm going to serve myself. But, but, but. And the buts get in the way from God doing the miraculous. God wants to do the miraculous in your life, but perhaps he can't because you and I have plan B that we're just waiting on just in case he doesn't show up. Here's what I want to challenge you and I with. If you said, you know what, this, and, I, and I use tithing just because it's a simple example, and, and we, we're not teaching about that. God's after a heart with that. It's not that. But let, let, me, uh, let me point this out. Instead of saying, I know God says we should tithe, but, okay, plan B, just got called out. What if we said, I know God says we should tithe. He's given us 100%. He's asking us to save 90 of it and to use it for ourselves, and he wants 10 well, how about we try it? See, what we did in that moment then is we've enabled and allowed God to show up and to be God in our lives. We've allowed him to say, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out. I have no plan B. I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing a 3% or 5%. You say tithe? Okay, I'll do it. Because what that does then is it sets the Lord up to be the Lord in your life and he begins to show himself to be faithful and provider. I could do that with any situation you and I go through. I love watching uh, people say, you know what? We felt convicted about our living situation and we said, you know what? It's not honoring God. And we were living in a but. It's not honoring God, but it pays the bills. Plan B, lame excuse. And they would say, man, Pastor Brian, you were right. 
We started honoring God, and then all of a sudden, this happened, and then this happened, and then we, and then we got married, and whoa! And they started walking the blessings of God because finally God could move in the miraculous in their lives and show himself to be the God he is. If we have a plan B, we may never get there. So I want to challenge this church. Don't have a plan B with God. Whatever it is in our lives, are you falling back on a plan B? Don't do it. God wants to show up miraculously. Uh, I mentioned this already, but uh, what, what happens too when you have a plan B is uh, James mentions this. It's, he says, uh, an, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do you know what happens when you're just going, okay, God, I'm going to serve you. Whoa, but God, I'm going to serve you. But what are you doing? You're doing some kind of weird dance. It looks weird, doesn't it? It does. It's unstable. Lord knows I could fall at any moment. But that's the point. We're not, we're not clinging to God, believing for the miraculous, trusting him. We know just enough for it to hurt us, actually. <laughs> and then we know just enough about the world that we're trying to hold on to the world. And we're kind of doing this and we're stretched thin. We're unstable in everything we do because we don't know which direction we're heading. And God says, man, I want to do the miraculous. Why don't you let go of plan B, let go of Baal, and let me show you who I am. And let me be your provider. And uh, the number one thing Elijah says that, uh, to combat this thinking, by the way, I love this sentence, and I would encourage all of us to make this a part of our, uh, in every area that we struggle with or in every area that we're praying about and believing for. Here's the big one. You ready for this? It's, it sounds so simple. It's, it's actually revolutionary if you do it. If God is God, I'm going to serve him. Think about that. How revolutionary would it be in our daily lives if we just said, nope, either God's God or he's not. Either God's word is true or it's not. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just looked at that stinking tide scripture and been like, ah, I guess he's God. I got to do it. Just got to do it. If God's God, I'm going to do it. And in every area of your life, measure it up against, if God is God, I'm going to do it. If he's not, you know what Paul says? We're to be pitied more than anybody else. Paul said that. If this thing is, a, is, is false, we should be pitied. We're coming in serving. We're coming in being faithful. It's sunny outside. We're going to be getting our tan on. We're here growing in Jesus. If he wasn't real, we're to be pitied more than anybody. But if he is then we should serve him in every area. So if the Lord is God, then follow him. If the Lord is God, man, tithe and see him provide. If the Lord is God, worship him as if he was God and see what he does. Have you ever worshiped God with all your heart? Not because you needed something in the moment, but because he was simply God. And all of a sudden he drops his presence into your heart. He, he tells you how much he loves you. He sets you free from something. And you're like, man, what, I was doing the whole, I'm not so sure if you're God thing. You know that, that worship, the I'm not so sure if you're God worship, the okay, if God is God, if Baal, uh, the double-minded worship, it's probably something like this. Lord, love you. That was powerful, wasn't it? I'm just saying. I want to do, do if God is God worship. If God is God, he's worthy. If God is God, 
He's awesome. If God is God, he's holy. If God is God, he deserves my clap. If God is God, he deserves my voice. He deserves it. He deserves my hands to be lifted. If he's God, if he's not, we might as well go out and hit the boat. But if he is, we need to, we need to move as if he was. Live as if he was. And believe for the miraculous as if he was. We're talking about the miraculous. Uh, the second thing, and the last two are a little shorter. The second thing is, if, if you want to see God do the miraculous in your life, guess what? You have to be willing to feel alone. It's kind of one of the hard parts about believing God for the miraculous. Elijah said, you know what? I'm going to call all of Israel. 850 prophets. You think he didn't feel alone? But he wanted to stand up and say, my God is God. I'll go up against anybody. I don't care if I'm alone. And maybe God's got you right up against a miracle. And you're afraid if you step out, you're going to be alone in that stepping out. Good. Step out. Believe God for the miraculous. Either he's God or he's not. Get over the fact you might feel alone. It's not a great place to be. But you got a church that loves you, a group of people who want to wrap their arms around you. We know what it's like to feel like we're the minority when it comes to faith. But guess what? Either God is God or he's not. Get over it and believe him for the miraculous. Elijah was, I just love that. He was kind of like, man, I don't, I don't be alone. I don't need you guys. I know who my God is. Has that ever stirred inside of you? Has God ever called you to something and you said, you know, I don't care. I'm going to believe God for the miraculous. Nobody comes with me, that's fine, but I'm going to run hard. I'm going to trust that God's the God of the miraculous. And the last thing, you and I got to be willing to take courageous action if we want to see the miraculous. Courageous action. You know, even receiving Jesus, the Bible says in Romans that with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess. But I love how Jesus put it. That's the, that's the act of receiving Christ. But what did he say to new people who, who were uh, disciples? Hey, why don't you come follow me? The very act of Jesus inviting somebody to partake in him was follow. It was action. Just get up out of your boat. Come on. Follow me. Step out. And you and I have to be willing, if we want to believe God for the miraculous... I mean, individually, your families, man, this church. I want to believe God for the miraculous for this place. I want to see the presence of Jesus move in this place. I want to see people get healed, get set free, find out that Jesus can change their lives and, get, and deliver them from addictions and different things. I want to see it here. But it's going to require you and I to take courageous action. Everything Elijah did, did you notice that? Everything he did was courageous. It was courageous. He said, he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let you all go first. You know, we know the tail end of that story. What if Baal actually showed up? <laughs> uh, didn't see that coming. It was courageous for him to say, all right, you guys go first. And he said, you know, you pick the bull. Well, that might, to us, it's like, big deal. No, 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 back then it was a big deal. What if the bull... Baal's prophets chose was had no blemishes and all of a sudden he was left with a bull that had blemishes and now he runs the risk of even God not accepting his sacrifice what he's taking risks he's stepping out 
Then he starts hurling insults at their God. Back then, by the way, especially, that wasn't, you just didn't do that. He starts throwing insults. And you know, I, I'm about honoring people on their journey, but I'm not about honoring what the enemy is doing in their lives. I'm not against saying, hey, you know what? Man, you know I love you. You know we're friends. How's that lifestyle? How's that theology of yours working out for you? Are you happier? Do you feel more free? Because most people, if, if, if their thumb is put on them, they'll say, no, I'm not happier. Well, it's because you're not serving the living God. It's because you got Baal. He's got you wrapped around his finger, and you need to let go of that guy. Then he rebuilds the uh, altar. Did you notice that, by the way? He rebuilds an altar where God used to be worshipped. My point in that is this. Some of us may have received Jesus and had all these altars set up. Everything was right. We're worshiping you, God. You are the God of my purity. You're the God of my finances. You're the God of my schedule. You're the God of my popularity. You're the God of my, uh, you, you know, my workplace. But what may have happened over time is that some of the altars have crumbled. And you said, okay, God, you're my God. But then you wavered over at this altar over here. And the purity thing became less important. And now it's just kind of a heap. And I love that Elijah says, nope, we're going to repair the places where God was worshipped. In every area of our lives, we can repair the place where God was worshipped and say, you know what? It starts today. You're going to be worshipped in this area of my life again. You're going to be God in my life. And then he shows up miraculously. He pours water on the altar. He prays a bold prayer. Imagine that. I feel like but we need to be challenged a little bit. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I feel like sometimes it's like, so you want me to pray out loud, what? In front of people who love Jesus too? Yeah, not bad. In front of people who love Jesus over my wife, you want me to pray over my wife? Absolutely. Pray over my kids? Absolutely. Elijah gathered a nation and 400 and, or no, 850 prophets who were anti-God and prayed the most bold prayer he could have possibly prayed. Hey, God, why don't you set fire to this thing and show yourself? If Elijah can do that and God can show up miraculously and consume the thing, perhaps we could rise up and pray some prayers over our family. Perhaps we could rise up and pray for healing for our kids. Perhaps we could rise up and pray for healing for our city. Perhaps we could rise up and pray that every seat in this house is full of somebody getting set free. Somebody saying, Jesus, I need you. Perhaps it could happen if we would have the guts to step up and give Jesus the worship he's worthy of. Pray pray to him as if he was God. And maybe, just maybe, he would say, send a fire that would consume. We'll talk more about it, but the fire we constantly reference to is the fire of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it cool? God does all the changing. The Holy Spirit draws people to himself. So you know what we do? We just say, God, I'm going to worship you like your God. I'm going to pray like your God. I'm going to serve you like your God. And you know what he does? His Holy Spirit, he sends his fire. I'm not saying fire, ha, I'm not being weird. He sends his fire. He sends his Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. And I love that. But just a side note, and I am closing. You've done a great job, man. Thank you. It's like, I'm like, oh, it's good. Um, I love, by the way, that the, the, the study would say that the heat of that flame, if you, if you study flames and, and temperatures, it is the hottest of hot that a flame can possibly get that something will actually combust upon contact. It's the hottest of hot. 
did you realize in the story everything was burned up? It says even the dust was burned up. And I believe that God wants to send his fire to do what only he can do. And in almost tongue-in-cheek humor, uh, theologians believe this, that God, uh, in sending that fire, he actually did it through a lightning bolt to kind of say, okay, God of the storms, check this out. This is a storm. This is how I do it. You're nothing. This is how God does it. So this morning, my challenge and my question to you and I is, does God want to do the miraculous? Absolutely. Get rid of your plan B. Understand the fact that you may feel like you're stepping out and you're alone in something. And begin to take action. And if I could ask everybody just to stand today as we close. Uh, the greatest miracle God can do and wants to do is to bring salvation to hearts. It's the greatest miracle. And if you're here and you've never encountered his salvation, know this. He wants to do that miracle in your life so you can surrender your life to him, receive him, and he can begin to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. He can begin to show you what it is to live for him. You understand it's not, we're not inviting you to rules and regulations. We're inviting you to know God. The God of the miraculous does the miraculous to draw you to himself. So if I could ask every, every head to be bowed and every eye could be closed, we're going to do two things today. The first one is this. I, I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here, uh, to receive Jesus. And if you've never received him, if you've never surrendered your life to him, now is that moment. And I'd encourage you, God has incredible plans for you. And maybe he took, uh, chose Memorial Day of 2014 to say, hey, I'm talking to you. And if that's the case, I don't have to twist your arm. I don't have to, to encourage you that it is the case. You probably already know. Your heart's probably pitter-pattering a lot. And I would encourage you at this moment um, just to kind of slip up your hand and get my attention. That's totally me, Pastor. I know that I know that I need to surrender my life to Jesus and I need to receive him. Just in this moment, I'm going to call you up. I just want to make sure that anybody in this room who wants the opportunity to surrender their lives to Jesus uh, would take that opportunity. You can do that right now. I'm not going to sit on it for a while. I see you. I see your hand. That's awesome. That is awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? So cool. It's great. Many of us, if not most of us, hopefully all of us in this room. Oh, okay, I just saw another hand pop up. That's great. Most of us have done that. But for you who raised your hands, another one. It's great. Anybody else? (laughs) Want to make sure. Want to make sure. Hmm. (laughs) He's a miraculous God. And the first miracle he wants to do in your life is to bring you to salvation that you could know that you know you're saved. <laughs> you, can have, you have relationship with God. He's paid the price. You've walked, you've let him in. Okay, so I saw a few hands raised and here's what we're gonna do as a church. Um, I believe that there's a moment for public proclamation. I wanna encourage you to do that. But in this moment, we're gonna pray and agree with you. And if you raised your hand, I would ask you just to follow uh, my lead in this prayer. You can repeat it after me and the rest of the church. I want you to do the same. So let's pray together. Jesus, I believe in you. I know you died for me to forgive me of my sins. Please do that. Come into my life. Be my savior and be my God. 
and let me experience the miracle of new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to know this. If you uh, raised your hand, that's awesome. Uh, we, we would encourage you a few things. Uh, come back. It, it, maybe you've been coming a while. Uh, great. Let, let this become home church, not so that we can sign you up uh, to anything, but because we want to encourage you in your faith. We want to come alongside you in your faith. Uh, the other thing uh, we'll have, and we have these at the Welcome Center. We can make sure some ushers have them, or we've got plenty up front. It's a, it's a book called Now What? And it's just kind of a, a helpful uh, guide, like, okay, I've received Jesus. What steps should I take? You, you want to do something now. Uh, this is a great lead in that. And here's the last thing we want to do today. Um, I'm going to ask right now, as a matter of fact, if our prayer teams could come forward. And um, here's what I want to do. I feel like for some of us, the act of faith, even, even in a church and like around believers, is to say, I need to go up for prayer. Guys, you don't know how many times I hear people out there say, yeah, my kids are sick. Yeah, we're, ooh, we're trying to sell our house. Ooh, that's why we do prayer teams. So we can pray and agree with you for the miraculous. So here's the challenge. Maybe your Elijah moment has nothing to do with uh, bales and worshiping bales. Maybe it has to do with you stepping out and saying, I need to come up for prayer. I need to come, and that's your moment. We've got prayer teams that are ready. They're psyched to come and bring things, your needs to Jesus. And we want to see God be the God of the impossible. So church, I would just ask, if there are areas where you've got bales, deal with it. Let the Lord deal uh, with it. But if you want to come up to pray for anything, I'm going to pray in, in right now, actually. I'm going to close. You can go. But we've got enough time to stick around for a few moments and ask God for the miraculous. By the way, nothing's too small. We're not, we're not, on a, we're not gauging things. We, we do that on Wednesdays. We don't do that. We want to pray for all your needs. Bring it to Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for this awesome day that we've had, this challenging word from the story of Elijah. Help me, help us as a church to be people of faith, to step out and to say, God, we want to see you do the impossible so that it draws us to you and it draws this city to you and people would see a God who still responds miraculously. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do not go if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, come back as we continue the fire series next week. It's going to be great. Come on up for prayer. We want to agree together.